This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. All right, so welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. We're back with me and Nick in person. Um, it's been, the, been a long time, Bob. It's been, been a long, long time, time since this has happened. <laughs> it's been um, a year. Uh, maybe not quite, but pretty darn close. Probably like eight months. I mean, this is impressive. We've had this podcast since August of 2018. 2018. So yeah. it's, been a, it's been a year. It's been over a year. It's been over a year. Yeah. Um, we haven't met. We've been in different parts of the country. We still made it happen. Absolutely. And now we're back together. Uh, I know, for sure, a little stint. It's good on... Uh, you know, I need any excuse I can. I'm going crazy studying for boards right now, getting ready for the exam coming up in uh, just a handful of days, and it's good to get a break, hang out with Bob, play a bunch of sports, mess around. I even uh, brought this man playing soccer with me last night. Yeah, actually, actually, it was my first time playing soccer, like, in ever, um, and I actually <laughs> became crippled after playing my first game of soccer. Well, I, I hurt my toe, and now I'm, I'm limping, but that's, that's pretty much it. A little bit of soreness, we'll work it out, man. Well, Bob, yeah. what do you got for us today, my friend? So, I'm actually very excited because last week we were talking about working on um, my unique value proposition yes. for the, the business plan, for all that. So, I, I dug in a little bit more deeper of, like, all of the, the different clinics around my mom's clinic. Sweet. Um, so, again, like I said, there's, like, 20, 20-something clinics there. And I was looking at the strengths and weaknesses, and one of the biggest strengths – that came up constantly within the clinics that had the most five-star reviews yep. um, was with three keywords. The first keyword was feel. Okay. The second word was team. Mm-hmm. And the third keyword was front desk. Feel the front desk team. Yeah, feel, feel the front desk team. But um, those were, like, the, the biggest, like, frequency, like, high-frequency words. That so that's what, those are the things that are attributed to – at least generating the highest star reviews and the overall vibe, the, the feel, as yeah. you say, to a great clinic. Yes. So feel as in, like, um, I felt great. Like, yep. they made me feel amazing. Um, team so as it's in, less about the place, more about the individual. And it, yes. There's kind of – sometimes you go to a place and there's a lot of these little nuanced things that kind of they irk you a little bit, they irritate you. They got all that out of the way so you can just focus on what's the actual experience with the patient with the practitioner, because that's what it's all about. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and the second part, which was team. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah, team. So so how the team made them feel. So the, the PTs itself, the PTs itself that were passionate, that actually cared about the patient, um, that was the definition of team itself. Absolutely. And that, that's great, too, where it's because so oftentimes it's you've got you, the patient, and you've got your doctor or your physical therapist or your chiropractor or your acupuncturist. And it's a very one-on-one relationship. Yep. But when you walk into a facility, you can feel that team dynamic. It's incredible. I was thankful that I had that, certainly, um, in my, really, my last three clinicals. Um, but the last one, to a huge degree. Okay. And the way those the six therapists all interacted with each other, it was incredible. So so how did you, like, feel? Like, it was, was there, like, a, a culture there? Like, how, how did you feel like that? There was, there was a culture there. Um, so I was part of the Baylor Scott White. Yep. Institute for Rehab down there, and our, our one facility, um, actually the first week I was there, we had like a whole kind of regional meeting with us and like 11 other facilities, and for culture, we all had nicknames. This was going for probably about five or six years for this place. Mm. We were the frat house. Mm. 
Chiefs had nicknames. What about the Patriots? <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, first of all, that's a HIPAA violation. So, uh, <laughs> hypothetically, if we did, we may have. Uh, that, uh, were the Patriots aware of their nicknames? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. No, this, this, this was no, nothing in malice. And actually, I mean, there are some patients that, you know, of course you made everybody feel better and get better and everything and heal, which was great. But we kind of joked around that there are some patients who are more there for the social aspect of life. Yeah. All um, right. We're yeah. back again. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's a great experience yeah. to share. So, Bob, tell me, you've been on a few clinicals so far. I'm curious in your perspective, what felt, what were individual moments that felt really good, like, man, I'm part of a team, or, like, huh, this got some work in progress? Yeah, I mean, i only been to two clinics. I only have two clinicals so far, yep. so not uh, the most vast experience. Um, the first clinic, it, it was the traditional outpatient clinic, um, where there was, like, 20, 20, so 30 patients a day. Um, really, it was hard to like keep track of progress for me because I wasn't yep. really sure like how to keep track of progress. Sure. But then as I learned, um, my second clinical was a lot better on tracking patient progress over time, which made, I guess, PT a lot more meaningful and a lot more special um, to right. me. More than just, oh, the, or, these are individual appointments lined up, but no, it's actually a progress of a yeah. patient, which is what it should be all about. Yeah, it's more than just like, oh, another patient is strength of glutamate. Um, so another another day, another glute meet. Uh, that was my first clinical, um, oh, and then the second clinical, I realized it's more than just the glute meet and, strength, <laughs> and stretching. Uh, but uh, but so, so that's that's what I learned during my second clinical. In terms of like culture, uh, most of the PTs in general just do care about their patients. They want their patients to get better, um, like outcome wise. Um, but if I were to pinpoint anything specific. Not really. Uh, nothing like what, what you mentioned, like nicknames, having like uh, people come in for the social aspect. Nothing really like that. Sure. More just people coming in, getting better, and then leaving. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Absolutely. I have a I have a question for you, Bob, that may not have the right answer. We talk about culture. We talk about the team atmosphere for work. Do you? What do you think the role of everybody on a physical therapy team or an acupuncture team in the clinic what kind of relationship do you think they should have outside the clinic? Do you think they should be hanging out all the time? Do you think, you know, it's now we get to work, we clock in, we clock out, we're good? What would that ideal relationship look like for you? Yeah, um, so obviously there's a fine line between, like, being professional and being, like, friends with everybody. Absolutely. Um, but I, I was listening to a lot of, so basically a lecture that a professor was teaching on, like, business, stuff yep. like that. And what he talked about was everybody in, in the clinic or everybody in the company should be aware of the why of the clinic. So everybody should be on the same page as the why, like both inside and out of the clinic. Sure. So if everybody believes in like treadmill training is important for everybody, then um, everybody should be on the same page for that inside and outside of the clinic. Okay. So outside the clinic, they shouldn't be like um, posting on Instagram that treadmill training is like terrible. Um, Oh, yeah, so you're saying that there should be a, a continuity of the message that it's yes. spreading. Yeah. I was more talking about the social aspect of the team itself. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. I haven't really thought about that. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Nick? So I've been on a um, – I think it depends upon – I wasn't saying I have the right or wrong answer, but yeah. I've been on a ton of different teams, some that, you know, they'll hang out all the time. They have their barbecues together. They, you know, have their Fourth of July parties together. They'll celebrate each other's birthdays outside the clinic all the wow. time. It's like – all right, Friday night we're going to the clinic. All of us who are working in the clinic, we're all going out and stuff. Mm, yeah. and so I've been around those kind of clinics. I've also been around clinics where it's very much, hey, sweet, see you Monday morning. It'll be sweet then. We'll enjoy yeah. it. But that's it. 
And first of all, it depends what kind of group of people I'm working with for which side of those things I yep, want, yep, right? Yep. And we've been around both those sides of things. But um, I don't know. I think you had to get a vibe for it. But I don't – well, I was an RA before. I know you were an RA before. There are many things with the RA job, the resident assistant job up in the college where it's like, all right, we already hang out so much anyways. I, I don't <laughs> know if I uh, – need too much more time outside yeah. of this to hang out. So yeah. it, uh, I think also people. to like, add on to that is, like, as an adult, it's, like, harder to make friends. Well, depends who you are. Like, it's hard to, like, actually meet more new people. Right. You're not freshmen in college anymore yeah. where the expectation is, well, let me go mingle around this social bubble all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, say hi to everybody down the street. No, you're, you're just in, like, your own. If you do that in New York City, you're just a weirdo out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to drug the next kid on. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. But it's. It, Basically, I think that's what we're getting at is that it depends. Sure. Is that what you're getting at? Absolutely. Okay. So, Baba, I know we got sidetracked a bit. I'm enjoying this conversation, but talk to me more about this unique value proposition. Well, well yes. Yeah. So, I'm going to finish the where I was starting. Please. So, Please. so the, the three things that were main, yep. mainly in these reviews are the strengths of these 20 clinics that had like over 100-something reviews was um, feel, yep. team, and then front desk. Front desk. Front desk is, I feel like, also very important and makes sense that front desk was consistently, like, popped up through these reviews. Um, and that's because they are the first people that the patients actually talk to. Right. They're and, the gateway to the care. Yep. Gateway to access. And also, they're the ones that get everybody on the same page. It's not just PD that yep. gets them on the, uh, uh, the same page, the patients on the same page. So, for example, insurance was a big contributor to uh, the negative reviews. Like, people weren't on the same page on insurance. Like, people were paying extra copays or people were getting billed extra they weren't aware of. But uh, if the front desk staff got everybody on the same page, there wouldn't be that issue. And that's why I feel like that front staff was consistently positive that popped up. I believe it. You know, I don't want to deal with that kind of hassle. Nobody wants to deal with that hassle. The more kind of BS we can get out of the way, makes sense. But to streamline the process and what people are really looking for is, Oftentimes, now this overcomplicated, really sophisticated setup, they're more looking for. No, I want to come in here to seek healing and to seek help. Yeah. So let me get all the other crap out of the way. Just do that. Wow, it's amazing. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, I agree. Thanks for sharing that, Nick. But now, more to the unique value proposition, I guess. Yeah. Um, I want to include like those three things in the clinic, but uh, to really, I guess, set myself apart and like really. Implement, I think what you said last week, um, you, you said last week was basically... It's dangerous to say a lot of things. <laughs> but what, what you said was, was, like, really valid, was that um, look at what's working yeah. and take a small, like, take majority of it, um, and then a small piece of it, just make sure that it's different yes. so you can set yourself uh, apart. Now, most of the clinics didn't really have a unique value proposition. Um, some unique value proposition was that there's zero wait time. Every time you come in, there's no line. You just come in and you get treated. Sure. Um, other unique value proposition was a combination of Eastern and Western medicine sure. to like help with that, help with uh, your symptoms. Um, but most unique value propositions from what I could find that were on their website and reviews were just general, we're going to provide you the best care possible. Yep. Um, and we're going to generic terms. That yep. sound great, but yep. again, what are they really promising? Eh, you can hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's like, you click one PT clinic website, and then you see that, and then you go to another website, and it's the same thing. Um, where I wanted to, like, 
separate myself uh, for my UVP, and now I'm doing like a build-up. It's like Please. we're talking like for 12 minutes already, and we <laughs> I haven't really brought it up. But the first question that I asked myself is like, what do I truly believe in? Um, and that guided my unique value proposition because I like the way you're thinking, Bob, because it's, you know, I've kind of said for a little while and I've heard from someone else that when you have, when you are writing or you're doing something, you know what the next answer is. Yeah. That's when you should take a pause to allow the creativity to flow and seep in between. You're doing that in a way where you're like, what can I provide that's different, that's unique? Let me, let me, let me set that aside for a minute. And then you ask yourself why. Yeah. What's a deep belief? What is my founding purpose behind that? I love that side tangent. Yeah. I think we all need to go on that more. Yeah. Um, so I asked myself, what do I truly believe in? Yep. And I thought about it for like 30 minutes because uh, nothing really popped into my mind. But the next, well, the first actual thing was, was heavy loading or okay. doing some sort of deadlifts, doing sure. some sort of squats, um, something that is – so there's this idea that – have you ever heard of the one rep max living? Uh, you have to describe it. So basically, um, this is a, a coin term coined. I don't know by who, but um, some people in the ICE facility. So if they do a clinical accident, yep. they're like a PT organization. They talked about how most older people yep. um, they live on this one rep max lifestyle. So one rep max lifestyle. So basically, when you're doing a one rep max, that's yep. like the heaviest load you're doing possible. Sure. And then you're out of breath or you're tired. You can only do it one time and then you are physiologically unable to do more. Yes. So what what they're saying or what they're trying to get at is that most older people, when they're carrying a bag of groceries, like five feet, yep. they're at that one rep max limit. Yep. Um, and what you want to do is, is really strengthen them and train them so they're not at that one rep max capacity. They instead, they're at that 10 rep max, 10 rep max capacity sure. where they're uh, – carrying their groceries and they feel okay afterwards. They're not always at that super high intensity. Um, So that's what I believe in. And I feel like strength training, overall loading or heavy loading, is a big part of that. And if you were to ask me with like any patient, I would always give you the answer that heavy loading or strength training would be great. Um, Both depends on the patient. If they like have cancer and on the verge of dying, um, probably not. It's always about appropriate loading is going to help. And, and what I mean by that, too, is, you know, there's a reason that in the U.S. we're called physical therapists. There's a reason that in Europe or Australia, they're physios, physiotherapists for physiology. Our therapy is affecting the physiology at hand. And if our interventions, Bob, if we're not doing things that um, correspond to a severe enough intensity, a severe enough resistance, as you're describing, to create a physiological change, what are we really doing? Yeah, we might be helping a little bit, but not as much as we could. And I think not in every single clinic by any means, but in general for physical therapy, I think we've been a little too hesitant historically on loading people. Yes. On giving them that appropriate load, I think we often underload them too much. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of these tendinopathies and other issues is that it's not so much a, oh, my gosh, you're way overused. No, it's an underuse issue that comes up. And we have to get it utilized again. I think more of the appropriate, like physical therapy term, is appropriate loading. Yep. Um, but I think, and I and I love your thoughts on this. So, like a marketing message would be to have heavier, heavier loading, sure. or like getting everybody in the clinic doing deadlifts compared to the usual um, PT clinic where they just put you on a bike, or even worse, they just leave you on a bed with hot packs and and electrical pads. Um, 
and then this this whole message of like strength training or, or loading yourself in general will provide you with a new opportunity to, to get from there. a marketing standpoint I love that you're setting about what is unique about your clinic what you do differently than others and not only that but why you believe in that and why that's going to have an effect with you yes if you were asking me if I like believe in that 110%. There's no doubt about it yeah. that I believe in loading. Oh, it's, um, it's a good thing you don't believe in maximal loading uh, 10% yeah. instead of 110. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, that's something that I didn't really find within most of the clinics, like itself. Like, n- none, yeah. of, none of them mentioned loading. None of them mentioned, like, we want to get you stronger. None of them actually mentioned things specific, sure. like deadlifts, squats, stuff like that. And that's, I guess, my unique value proposition of. Of general loading or, or heavy loading, where everybody from age 40 to 60 plus is doing deadlifts, either Absolutely. five pounds or 500 pounds. Um, I think that's that's what my unique value proposition will be. And I, I love to hear your thoughts about what your initial gut reaction is. Um, I love it, boss. I love it. Before you you, you go, yeah. um, uh, one thing I also want to add is like who I'm targeting. Sure. So please. When you're fishing, right? Have you ever been fishing? I love fishing. Okay, I've never been fishing. Sometimes I don't always have the patience for it, but in general, I love fishing because when I do fish, it's with my family, it's with my grandfather, it's for a chill now on a river, hanging out on a boat, having a good old time. Okay. That's when I know I'm on vacation. Okay. Well, well, let me ask you some fishing questions because okay. you seem like to be the fishing expert between, the two, between of the two of us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how do you catch certain fish? Okay. So, number one. If you're looking for a certain kind of fish and you are not in the body of water where that fish lives, you ain't going to catch it. So you got you to gotta know your target population, Bob. You got to okay. know where they are. Okay. <laughs> that was good. And um, then you got to know their habits. Are yeah. they going when, when are they hungry? When are they going to come out and eat? Yeah. It's going to be for a lot of fish in the earlier morning, some fish at dusk. They're never going to be out in the middle of the day. Yeah. Why? Too damn sunny. And nobody wants to move then. You're right. And then what do they like to eat? Yes. Bait them. Yep. If you know what they like, give them what they like. Yes. And get them hooked. That is exactly where I wanted you to, <laughs> to get at. So the kind of bait you throw out to the fish is the fish you'll get back. So if I throw out this bait of heavy loading, um, barbell training, stuff like that, yep. that, those are the types of people that I'm going to get, and that's the population that I would like to work with. Absolutely. Like more of like the, the weekend warriors or the, the master athletes, like the older population. Sure. Um, and that goes the same with anything else, like any other bait you throw out. So if you throw out like three PT initial eval, you're gonna get all these. You're gonna get some people that you like to treat, but most of them are gonna be like the more frugal kind of population. Sure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, so the type of bait you throw out is the type of fish you'll get. And sometimes people will often criticize that of, wait, you're you're neglecting certain populations, and how how is that right, or how is that good for business? You're neglecting stuff. No. Zoom in. Hone in. Hone in on what you want to focus in. Welcome others in as well who may have additional perspectives that go above and beyond and seek your care. But if you have a target population, target that population and go after it. Absolutely. Yes. Thank, thank, thank you for uh, having that great fishing experience to share this analogy with there all of you. There we go. There we go. Shout out to my grandfather right now. He uh, he has a poster up in his office where he says, I'm trying to think of the exact quote, something about the idea of, a bad day fishing beats a good day working. Okay. A bad day fishing beats a good day working. Hmm. That's his lifestyle. Okay. All right. Well, good for him. But anyways, 
yeah. So, so I love to hear your thoughts on like what your initial gut reaction was before we went on this tangent. Yes. Um, so I want to compare this with an experience I've had. Um, one of my mentors, Kelly Starrett. Um, if you guys don't know him, definitely look him up. He's a big guy out of San Francisco. Um, he's a physical therapist, physio. He um, owns and runs San Francisco CrossFit. Great guy. He's written a couple books. He is the supple leopard, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the beast. Anyways, um, I got a chance to work with him a little bit in San Francisco and see his CrossFit clinic. He has both um, CrossFit coaches out there that he hires as well as physical therapists that he hires to work with. Yeah. And it's phenomenal. They're, they're, their version of rehab, somebody came in that I was observing with them, and Bob, they tore their ankle to shreds, messed up ankle, ligaments torn all over the place, and they came in for PT. What, what do you think was one of the exercises they did? Voodoo band flossing. Oh, there we go, buddy. You okay. are, you've done your research. So that may have been part of it. Okay. But they got on my dead, dead list. Yep. So what do we do? We spend about 10 minutes evaluating them, checking out, okay, what's truly the limits of stability of this ankle? What can it do? What can it not do? Based on that, what activities do we have to avoid? But we're not here just to work on your ankle. It's somewhat acute right now. It's kind of flared up. I more want to get the rest of your physiology for the rest of your body as healthy as it possibly can so we can improve. So let's say your ankle's stiff, it's guardy, it's not going to dorsiflex as much. Maybe a strict deadlift might not be optimal mm -hmm. because it requires a certain degree of dorsiflexion. Let's do a hex bar, trap bar, deadlift slash half, half squat and load the system through that, keeping good stability of the ankle, good stance stability. And it doesn't require as much dorsiflexion, so we're not pushing and grinding into the joint, but we're using the available range that we have to get the rest of your physiology feeling strong. So I've got that context in the back of my mind, as long with, along with many, many other patients as well, from that kind of experience, and I love it. People who have tore their ACL, that what they're doing, when they tore their ACL, compared to their health before surgery, they're getting to them to the point where their quad function is better before surgery after having still a non-intact ACL than it is before they tore the ACL. Yeah. So when they come out of surgery, day three after, they're already squatting good, man. They're already looking real strong, real solid, and the rehab goes so much faster. There's not that post-surgical quad shutdown neurologically from all the swelling in there. They're just amped up. They're ready to go, ready to get after their own healing. Why? because we finally address people as whole people and their entire physiology. Yes. I was waiting for a butt or anything. Is that, is that coming? No. Oh, wow. No. Okay. All right. It's, I, I certainly think there may be uh, butts or glute meats, glute maxes, okay. <laughs> um, depending on how you execute it. But as far as the mission, Bob, I believe in the mission that you're going after. And I believe in the market, the marketing that you're doing is, yes, is it, quote unquote the exact perfect terms, no, but what marketing ever is. Yes. And you're trying to get the certain population that you're going after. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's something that like you said, you're taking what these other clinics have done well, changing them by about ten percent, then adding again, it's not called unique value proposition without being unique. Your role, what do you firmly believe in? And by the way, what you firmly believe in can be things that other people believe in too. That's yeah, fine. Of course. But you just have your heart and your soul behind it and that's how it's going to get powered. Yeah. So one of my main, so my first, actually that was my second why of like 
my why of why I'm doing this. Yeah. My first why was I want to wake up tap dancing out of bed every single day to go to work. Um, we need to use some ballet shoes. Or, or tap dancing shoes. Yeah, that um, would make more sense. <laughs> but uh, I don't know who said that quote, but I just really, I think it was either Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger um, that said it, but I really like it. Um, I think it really exemplifies, like, what life or what your profession as what profession you do should be. Like you wake up every morning passionate and ready to, to go. And that's something that I could stand behind. So, so loading, um, heavy loading squats, deadlifts with patients in the general PT population. Let me put it this way for you, Bob. I was talking to a colleague of mine recently. Um, and anyways, another colleague of mine. And we were talking and stuff. I was telling her about, you know, I was taking a little bit of time off now after taking this exam that's in a few days to, you know, go see some family in the area and stuff like that before I start working and said starting a temp job for another two months. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, you have another 40 years to work. And, like, I didn't say it out loud, but my instant reaction, my mind was like, I'm kind of sad. Only 40 years of this? I want to say, like, it was like, not 50 years? What's going on, man? It's like, it's just like, yeah, it feels good to be in this environment. For me, going through this exam coming up soon, I'll be celebrating. And I, and I won't be celebrating because it's like, oh, yeah, I passed it, the release done. No, I'll be – the things that I celebrate most, Bob, are the ability to arrive to a next stage, a next level, to be able to do what I believe is God's work for me yeah. in this life of uh, being a healer through physical therapy and permission to start the next stage. I'm not celebrating because work is done. I'm celebrating because my true work can start becoming a reality for myself. Wow. I like it. Um, I think a great way to sum up everything so far is a quote. I don't know who said it again, yep. but basically stronger people are hard to kill. I'm not sure who said that either. I think yep. a lot of people do. <laughs> but, yes, that, that I would in general agree. Yeah, I, I agree too. Stronger, if the line comes and you're stronger, you can be the line. <laughs> but, like, in general, like, if you're stronger, you're going to live longer. You're going to be able to have better function. Ain't nothing wrong getting strong. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like this episode so far about what we're talking about. Absolutely. It's about, you know, the big things that I believe in are as far as movement goes and helping people's health or movement variability to be able to withstand, to execute a bunch of different forces in many directions and withstand them. Or that movement resiliency to having a resilient, strong body to move in and be in. And those two things together are helping us change my relationship with my body, helping you change your relationship with your body. So it's not just, you know, the physical, but it's how we interact mentally, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually with this physical in our world. Wow. You always make it so deep and inspirational. I, I love it, Nick. It's great. I guess so. It's, uh, it's what comes to mind, I guess, Bob. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about, Nick? I love this episode, man. I, I think it's a, it's a great place to put a cap. Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about next week for yourself. Next week, I honestly don't know what I what I plan on doing. Obviously, I want to take the next step in this business yeah. plan, um, but for the actual tangible step, I'm not sure what it is, and I guess that's the point of why we're here. Exactly. It's so, trying to figure that out. Can I give my recommendation? Yes, of course. You make your modifications. Yep. We talked about kind of what your unique value proposition is. We talked about how, you know, the three things that you want to focus on for those three areas of strengths for the other clinic. Yep. I wonder if you take those three things and really flush out the culture behind it, what you want that to look like, what you want people to report their feel for reviews, what you want people to say that 
you as a clinician and your team in that clinic feels like to them, yeah. or is to them, other than what the interaction of your front desk and how your front desk lands. I like that. In context so, so like, of your unique value proposition with heavy lifting. I like it. So it's it's like taking those three strengths from all these other clinics yep. and making them into, into values for my own. Into values and how they're going to be executed for your specific clinic. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters, Bob. Yeah. I, I like it. I, I think that's a great um, goal for next week. Perfect. All right. But all hey, right. Bob, by the next time... By the time we talk next week on this podcast, I've already taken the national PT exam. Got my fingers crossed, praying, but most of all, studying hard. Yeah. Well, good luck. Thanks, so, buddy. All right. Thank you.